There's growing concern about the disproportionate impact of coronavirus on black and brown people, immigrants, and others who make up the majority of Bronx residents. That's one of the many reasons the Bronx COVID-19 Oral History Project exists. This group of Fordham University students, scholars, and community leaders are making it their goal to capture the voices of the borough's residents. The initiative's intent is to better understand how the global pandemic is impacting the Bronx community. I'm Robin Shannon, and this is Fordham Conversations. Today, I'm joined by the Bronx COVID-19 Oral History Project's Executive Committee. They include Carlos Rico, Veronica Caroga, and Bethany Fernandez. Unfortunately, Bethany was not able to attend. And their faculty advisor, Dr. Mark Nason, is with us. Dr. Nason is also founder of the Bronx African American History Project, which sponsors the Bronx COVID-19 Project. Dr. Nason, can you help us understand what are some of the systematic issues the Bronx faced long before 2019 that caused the borough to be hit so hard by the virus? The Bronx is a place where large numbers of people who are displaced from uh, uh, other boroughs by gentrification or urban renewal end up settling. Um, and many of you know that in the, in the 1950s and 60s, there was an influx of refugees from urban renewal into the Bronx. And in the 1970s, the boroughs suffered disinvestment and arson. In subsequent years, the Bronx physically rebuilt. The neighborhoods that were abandoned uh, had shopping centers, apartment buildings constructed there. But the Bronx became the center for another influx of people pushed out of uh, other boroughs, this time by gentrification. So what you have in the Bronx is a high concentration of people who are poor, who work in um, healthcare, uh, in hotels and restaurants, uh, who work in the subway system, uh, who work in the city government. And also it has a disproportionate number of people living in crowded households, often two or three generations living together. Um, now this makes for a very strong feeling of community, but in the case of this pandemic, it created tremendous vulnerabilities. You had uh, overwhelmingly the Bronx uh, population that was working age took subways and buses to work. Uh, they were essential workers. They were in our hospitals, our nursing homes, home health aides, you know, running the subways and buses, you know, uh, doing the cleaning in all the office buildings. And then they're coming back on public transportation to households where you had no chance of social distancing. Um, so the pandemic just hit this borough really hard and overwhelmed its hospitals, which were overwhelmingly public hospitals um, and which lacked the fundamental equipment to care for, these, for the, the patients coming in. There wasn't enough PPE, there wasn't enough ventilators. And so the death rate uh, skyrocketed in the borough uh, because of all of those conditions. Now, this question is for either Carlos or Veronica. Who are some of the people that you guys uh, interviewed and why did you choose them? So as Dr. Nason mentioned, um, some of the most uh, 
critical, the critical population that we really wanted to focus on were essential workers, people who were still commuting back and forth to work because we really felt that it was important to just highlight um, the experience of Bronxites in the middle of a global pandemic. And what's the best way to do that? Show, besides uh, showing the resiliency, basically just showing what their day-to-day -day life is like still commuting to work. So one of our interviewees, Patricia Hernandez, uh, is part of the working class. Um, she lives in the Tremont area of the Bronx and spoke about her experience. Uh, she, she was a T-Mobile worker at the time, um, which at the time for some reason was considered essential. So her stores never closed. So Patricia was uh, traveling back and forth um, via the D train um, uh, every single day. Um, she spoke about uh, living in a household with four other people, uh, two bedrooms. Her mother's actually also a home health aide. So she also spoke about the fears and anxieties of having not only herself having to commute back and forth from work, but also her mother. Um, and just, just all the fear and anxiety that was, that was sort of just living in her household for so long. Yeah, she sounds like one of the essential workers uh, that I want to get into in a minute. But first, I want to know, um, so how did you choose the people? So the most important process, um, I would say, when choosing people was we wanted it to be done on a voluntary basis, which means we didn't want to interrupt or sort of overstep um, because these, these are people that are already facing so much uh, inner trauma and are already dealing with the day-to-day um, traumatic experiences of having to work and live in the middle of a pandemic. So the last thing we wanted to do was impose ourselves and impose our, our sort of project onto people who were just too busy or just not in the right mental um, and physical state to do it. So we, we chose people who were interested in sharing their story. We chose people who we knew, um, who, who we felt stories needed to be highlighted, um, but it was all done on a very voluntary basis. So we are actually still taking more interviewees um, day by day and yeah. Yeah, one of the things um, I, well though I did none of the interviewing. This is a project entirely started by these three students, Veronica Caroga, Bethany Fernandez and Carlos Rico and one other student, Allison Rinney who interviewed Fordham students who were studying abroad and were forced to come back you know, suddenly during the pandemic. This is an entirely student-run initiative, but I did help identify some people who were real leaders in the Bronx who I thought would be valuable. One of them who Carlos interviewed was Maria Aponte, uh, a famous poet, uh, somebody who organizes nonprofit groups in the Bronx, and a Bronx resident who took public transportation to get to and from her home to Fordham and also lived right near Montefiore Hospital, which was one of the epicenters. So Carlos, you know, agreed to interview her. What was that experience like for you, Carlos, interviewing Maria Aponte? I mean, to, to pull a quote or a phrase, you know, she took me to school, you know what I mean? <laughs> She really showed me the power and she emphasized this throughout the entire interview, the power of the spoken word and how adamant she was in the unifying ability of it and the ability to come together as a community, no matter what 
is going on outside. It's what's going on inside. And she talked about her experience with the 60s and 70s and her involvement with the protests back then and her community work through Latinas 50 Plus, which is honoring and empowering women over 50 and who are Latina in the community, whether it be in education, lifetime achievement, um, and other things. And um, what, what she emphasized was that the focus of action should be on the uplifting and, and of our community organizations who are doing good in the community. And she was telling me different um, people that she knows, you know, her neighbors or who are a part of her nonprofit that would just be doing little things. So if they knew there was an essential worker living next door, they would make dinner for them and then say, here, you know, let's put it outside your door or, oh, you don't have a mask. Okay. We're going to, we're going to have some of these people, you know, sew one up and then put one outside your door, just, just like that and make sure everything was, was nice and tidy. So there's this familiarity, there's this unity and there's this resilience that is so present in the Bronx that I kind of had a, had a knowing about, you know, through Dr. Nason's 